Good to see y'all. So, uh, I don't know, I think it was March or April that I started this series, so you should remember it all. We'll start with a pop quiz. Uh, but uh, I started this series, it's uh, David Jeremiah, based off his book. Uh, he's a pretty good author, I think. Um, and his book that I like, that I'm basing this off of, is what, seeing the world right now and how it's happening, what's happening, how does that line up with God's Word? How should I process what's happening in the world, whether it's a pandemic or globalism or secularism or socialism, all the isms, economicism, that's not a word, but, uh, you know, oil price is good, oil price is bad, um, whatever. How do I process cancel culture? How do I process these things that are happening in our world and our culture right now today? And what does the Bible have to say in light of that? So we went through uh, socialism, globalism, pandemics. COVID, that was a fun one, and uh, economic chaos was what we covered four weeks ago. I think the audio is available on the website if you want to go research and listen to me talk a long time. Uh, but tonight, we'll look at four more four more weeks. This is the first. This, this will be the falling away, or apostasy is the biblical word, uh, and we'll get into that. Next week, will be end times people. Third week, will be cancel culture, and last will be spiritual famine. So these are all signs in our world that's happening that, sure enough, God's Word does have something to say about it, and it's not a surprise to God, it's a surprise to us. And so hopefully this gives us confidence as we go through this series that examine the culture we're at, where we're at right now, but also uh, look through that, examine that through the lens of God's Word, and then hopefully that gives us hope and peace that as I believe in God and His ways and that He's in control of all things, when I want to be anxious and, and the news wants me to be worried about everything and everything and control everything and nothing's in my control, as I go through this life, I realize very little in my control, but I have a God that is in control of it all. So we're going to go through that. But tonight we're looking at the falling away. Many Christians seem to be uh, falling away. And now this isn't falling away like gravity or I just fall a lot. That's not what we're talking about. Falling away in a spiritual way. So... I was a believer, now I'm not a believer. I did believe in God, I walked with God, I believed his word, now I don't believe any of God, uh, and, I, and I walk away from my faith. It's this falling away is what we're going to talk about tonight. It's nothing new, it's not new in the 21st century. Christians, believers, if they were ever believers in the first place, because what do you believe about that if... If God saves you and he puts you in his hand, the scripture says nothing can take you out of his hand. So actually the thing is, if you fall, if you fall away from your faith, you are actually never saved in the first place. We'll get to that. But uh, the Bible says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. It's predicted that people falling away from their faith is indeed a, a sign of the end times. It's something that is going to happen. The extent of it and everything, no one knows exactly, but for sure, uh, people, people are doing this today. Uh, people are falling away from their faith, and even those in the ministry are falling away from their faith. Whether they get off from their theology and what they did believe and just, who knows the reasons, but uh, you, know, it's, you hate following Christian uh, articles and stuff because it's like every month you hear a new pastor that's walking away from his faith or something like that. It can happen for a lot of different reasons, but we're going to look at apostasy and what does the Bible have to say about that. The Christians are falling away. 
Paul wrote the letters to Colossians and to Philemon, and he, he started uh, both of those little letters, and he started about his co-worker, Demas. Uh, and so he was side by side with him in his ministry. But then you flash forward a few years, and one of his final letters that Paul writes is the book of Timothy. And in that book, he says, Demas has forsaken me, having lo- loved this present world. Paul, the best missionary evangelist of his day, and probably of any day, next to Jesus Christ. You're right next to him, you're doing it. And the guy that was doing that, sure enough, turned away from his faith. So it can happen, and it's been happening. A little book I'm going to address quite a bit tonight is the book of Jude. It's the next to last book in the Bible. If you want to turn there, it's a great a few verses. I'm not going to cover all of Jude, but I will reference it from time to time. It's devoted to the whole, the whole book is devoted to, uh, to this topic of fighting for your faith, clinging to God, uh, battling your unbelief and the things that want to tear us away from God and having faith in him. It was written by Jude, the, the half-brother uh, of Jesus. Um, he, he states his purpose succinctly in the very beginning. Some of these translations are not all New King James, so if I have a little bit different wording... It's still for sure God's word, but it might be a little bit worded different. But he says in verse 3 of that little book, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So even here Jude was saying, you got to fight to keep your faith. Because if you're not, if you don't, your faith, you'll leave your faith. Uh, So it's not a new problem. There will be this falling away. It will continue up until Christ comes back and probably accelerate it even as we approach that day uh, in the last times. But, so why would people turn away from their faith? Or what are some key things? Why would people do that? Or what are some key things that if you don't believe in that, that's a problem? Well, uh, I would give you four things. This isn't really in your notes. But the divinity of Christ, that Christ was indeed God and indeed man. But he was divine. Christ, Jesus Christ, was fully God. There's uh, Arius was one, uh, Arianism, he was one that said, you know, Jesus was just a regular guy. He did some cool things, but he wasn't God. Well, that's a problem if you don't believe Jesus Christ was God's son. How about the resurrection of Christ? You and I would be blown away today. I still believe my seminary still holds to the resurrection of Christ, but a lot of professors and even seminaries, don't, they reject the supernatural things in Scripture. Uh, I remember I took an Old Testament class at Texas A&M, which is not a Christian university. I should have known not to do that, but I did it. And I'll never forget them telling me it wasn't the Red Sea that Moses, it was the Reed Sea. And sure enough, that sea is much more shallow. It's not, you could easily walk through that easily. You know, like How we love to justify the, the supernatural for things that we, we don't want to believe in a supernatural God that's at work. But the, the rescue of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, a lot of seminaries don't believe in that. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Christ himself. Another thing that a lot of people struggle with is the biblical view of sexuality and marriage. Our culture is redefining what sex is and what marriage is. And haven't we always done that? We're all, I mean, in the last few decades, we have been a, a land that wants to redefine everything. If you don't like something, redefine it. Change the meaning of the words. Uh, and why not if we are... a, a, a our own authorities, why can't we just redefine what sex is, sexuality is, marriage is? 
And for sure we do that. And you go down those roads, and then, then what you're doing is you take part of the Scripture. You, 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 you say, I'm going to believe in that part of the Scripture, but I'm not going to believe in these Scriptures because, sure enough, they say some things I don't like. And you cut and paste God's Word, and you can't do that. So there's a lot of things that people can turn away from that are just sacred to the, to the which is why our church has a church covenant that says these are things we believe in and you got to believe to be a part of our, to be a member. And in there is what we believe about marriage between one man and one woman for life. Uh, so this falling away, uh, it's happening, going to happen. But what does this mean for now? Well, the major theme of, a, of the book of Judges uh, I'm going to move very fasty through all the scriptures. The references are on there, but you don't have to do a Bible drill and turn to all of them right now. You can check me later if you want. Uh, but I give you that so you'll know where I'm going. Uh, but Judges is, is God is going to judge his people, the nation of Israel. And what does the nation of Israel, what do they do? They're on fire for God. No other gods before you. Yes, of course. And then the very next verse, they're worshiping idols. They're doing their own thing. And then we repent and we come back to God and we're on and it seems to be up and down, up and down. We're working, you know. And that's kind of how we as, not as a nation of Israel, but that's how we as Christians can be as well. If you think about your spiritual journey, there are times when you probably feel like you're really, really walking with God and you're close. You're doing spiritual, spiritual habits. You're staying close in his word. You and God feel close. And then there probably would be times, if we're honest, that we feel distant from God. I'm still a believer in God. I put my faith and trust in him. He's my Savior and Lord. But God, where are you? And the enemy, Satan, for sure, loves to inject doubts and stuff. So this message is not about you questioning your salvation. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then God's word says, if you confess him as your Lord and Savior, he will save you. But this message is to say to re-examine, to make sure, because the world would love to have, for sure, America, but the world in general, the enemy would love to have no Christians. No one that stands up for anything like God's word, if we had none of that, that would make the enemy really, really happy. Um, so Judges is all about staying true to God and, and walking with him. Um, one of the signs of the imminent return of Christ is going to be this rising number of self-proclaimed Christians who ultimately will reject Christ. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3, it says this, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by sight or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. The falling away is going to happen before Christ comes back. Some of that's happening now. We're probably experiencing some of the birthing pains of it. To the full extent, God only knows, but I think it's a sign of what's happening. So why would people fall away from their faith? I claim to be believers, I claim to be a church member, I claim to be following God and walk with him, and then for whatever reason, they have a day where they say, I don't do that anymore. Some people fall away because they are deceived. There are many deceivers in our day. Um, the most dangerous of those ones are the ones that operate in the spiritual realm. Evidently, there is a spiritual realm that we can't see, but it, it is ex- coexisting with us here on the earth. There are angels, there are demons. God is greater than the demonic forces at work in this land, but also don't minimize that there are demons at work. 
It says in 1 Timothy 4, 1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines and demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with the hot iron. There will be false teachers that lead people off the straight and narrow road. Wide is the other road, and this road is very narrow. There's all sorts of voices that want to, uh, and, and this is a voice, in case you didn't know. We've got mostly older generation in here, but do y'all know how to operate this thing? I'm still learning. There's some things I don't even know how to do. It. I just give it to my kid. It's like, how do you sync me up in the cloud? I don't know what's happening. These things. But if we're honest, this is very helpful in a lot of ways, but it can be a huge distraction too. And the enemy knows how to use this. The enemy knows how to market to things that you maybe should or shouldn't see, shouldn't even think about. Before you know it, whatever social media thing you're on or not on, you're getting marketed to 24-7. Sometimes, put the stupid thing down and have a conversation with the person. Um, okay, that was, that was neither here nor there. There's a lot of good things with this, but a lot of bad, just like with anything else. But some get deceived by... Uh, spiritual things that are around, influences in their life. That's why it's important for us to guard the key doctrines of the church and of God's word. A lot of churches, not just, there's non-denominational churches, there's all sorts of the evangelical church and all what it means. But even in Baptists, there's Southern Baptists, there's Independent Baptists, there's all these things. And it is key if you visit another church, what do you really, what is your core things you believe? which is why when we have a next step class, our pastor goes through, this is the church covenant. If you're not sure about the church covenant, I can get you one. You should read through that. Because as a member of this church, you're saying, I stand for that. I'm under that authority, which is under the authority of the church and under the authority of God. We should know that, and we should stand up for those things that are for sure being attacked. So some are deceived, but also some fall away because they're disillusioned. Um, Some... Uh, if you think of Jesus, and for the next two reasons, Jesus explained the parable about the seeds, uh, and and those seeds that some sprouted and flourished, and most seeds, I think three out of two out of three for sure, they just never sprouted, and it ever it didn't work. Uh, so you can go and you can read the whole passage, um, Luke eight twelve through fourteen. I'll read it. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. He's talking about the three kinds of people that get disillusioned and what happens to them. In a parable, it's a picture, and Jesus is being, he's saying something uh, everyone would understand, sowing and seeds. Today, we have a struggle with that. I get it. You plant something, it should grow, although when I touch something, it dies. I don't know. It's just me. But uh, they would understand this analogy in the first century AD. We struggle with it today. But those by the wayside are the ones who hear, uh, and the seed is representative of the gospel. So is the gospel going to take root in your life? And you're going to grow as a Christian, or is it not? Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So the first people that the devil comes, and they never believe. He keeps on distracted, chasing the things of the world. Whatever it is, they're deceived. Second people, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, they fall away. And then the third person. Now the ones that fell among thorns and those who, when they have heard, go out and choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. 
So they see the gospel, they hear about the gospel, but then the world, Satan, their own desires, whatever, God, you're not genie in the bottle, you're not blessing me as you should, and blah, 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 my life's hard, and all these things. And I thought it'd be white picket fence and no problems. That's what I read in the Bible. I'm like, did you read the prophets? <laughs> did you read the apostles? They had some tough things in their walk, even with putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Promise, uh, the, the, the gospel of, what's it called? Prom, uh, hmm, prom, prosperity. There it is. Thank you. You know? Those are the churches that have the most people come, and Joel Osteen and all the people. Why? Because, man, that guy writes some great books. He didn't write any book in the Bible, okay? And a lot of the stuff he says is not in the Bible. It's feel-good stuff. It's self-esteem stuff. It's whatever. You've got to preach the Bible. There's a lot of people in it, uh, that are supposedly churches that are leading people astray by all sorts of weird uh, things that are not biblical. So test that. But a lot of people get disillusioned. Uh, if I, uh, my faith is not deeply rooted in the word of God, God didn't save me. I think I saved myself, whether it's works or whether it's I'm such a good person or whether my life is all peachy and everything works. That works for a while until a trial comes or a storm comes in life and it tests your faith. That's what it says in, in the epistles. Your faith may be tested with a trial and then it will show really how secure, how rooted are, is your faith. And sometimes God brings that testing on. Sometimes it's we live in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a sinful world and just there's consequence of things that, and there's pains and there's things, there's doctor's appointments and results I don't like, but it's just we live in a fallen world. And some of the things that happen to our lives is because we allow sin in our life and there's consequences of sin. There's for sure forgiveness of it, but God's going to like, I mean, what loving parent wouldn't let their son or daughter do the thing that's in complete opposite of what they should do and let them get away with it. Every loving parent, I'm going to try to protect you, but you're going to make your own decision. Well, there's some of that God allows us, and if we choose to chase in the world and sin, there will be consequences of that. So some just fall away, they're disillusioned. They, uh, they're, the gospel in them never took root. Uh, in times of temptation, they fall away from their faith. Sooner or later, they, they fall um, they look to Jesus as a solution rather than a savior. Be a band-aid fix for my situation, and once my situation is fixed, I will go back right back to how I was before. Feel free to be in the driver's seat for at least three days, and then I'm going to take over. Well, that's not how God operates. If you really understood what Savior and Lord is, he saves you, and he had because of that, that he dies for you through Jesus Christ. He, he, paid, the sin of my, he paid the price of my sin that I couldn't pay and your sin. And that's called a gift to you and to me. And if I accept that gift, then that means I'm going to say, because of what you did, I can receive that free gift. Free to me, not free to you, God. Because of that, I want you to be my Lord, meaning I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to be involved in church. I'm going to do works. I'm going to show fruit in my life that says, sure enough, I'm a child of God. And the Holy Spirit, you're going to change me from the inside out. Not perfectly. I will have days where I sin. I will have days where I go into my flesh. And I will have days when I struggle, but I'm never going to doubt that my God loves me and my faith is in him. Some people, through life and the ups and downs of life, they lose that. And only God knows, were they truly saved in the first place? Well, if you can lose it, then I would say that you were never saved in the first place. But I'm not looking down on all of our lives like God is. 
God knows who's ultimately saved, who's not. He talks about the elect and all those things. Some fall away, lastly, because they get distracted. Um, apostasy is, has been prevalent throughout history because it says in Luke 8, 14, now the ones that, feel among thorn, that fall among thorns are those who, uh, when they have heard, they go out and they're choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. The pull of desire is just too strong for them, and, and they, they just flee their faith. And they say, I'm done. It's not worth it. Think about Judas. He lost his faith, if he had it ever in the first place. This is the guy that, one of the 12 apostles, he's in Jesus' inner circle, yet Judas still fell away. He betrayed Christ. Judas allowed himself to be distracted by goals or desires or that bag of money. He was actually the treasurer of the apostles. He carried the purse, the man purse, of course. But uh, he carried the purse of the guys, and he got so tempted by the world and ambition and all the things, he decided to just throw away his Savior. That's what he did. And to reject him with a kiss. He did that. And it tore him up. And then he hung himself. So, I think Judas is a good example to all of us. Don't think you are beyond falling away. I shouldn't think that I'm beyond falling away. If one of the 12 disciples can fall away from Jesus, then sure enough, I could, and you could. So where do we go from here? Um, That was very encouraging, wasn't it? Everyone feels pumped up? I don't say it to be discouraged, but we should be aware. Aware of the things that are happening. Um, Apostasy, the prevalency of it is going to happen in church and it's going to continue to happen. But like Jonah in the Old Testament, uh, we all face a choice between going up or or moving forward in our spiritual lives. Or giving up or moving forward. You have a choice. And uh, I'm going to give you three things to help make sure we don't fall away. Uh, Ultimately, God does save, but while God saves us, he also says, we'll look in Jude in a little bit. Uh, but keep yourself in the love of God. God for sure does his part and has done his part and will do his part. But there also is some part about I need to put some practices in my life. I need to be disciplined enough that I'm walking with God. It's a, it's a continuous thing that I do, these habits and these things, so that I don't, I don't veer off to the left or to the right. I am root, firmly rooted in my faith in God and Jesus Christ. Uh, the first one is you got to examine yourself. Uh, my son is 17, and uh, 17-year-olds know it all. I'm just lucky to, to know him, I guess. But uh, he's going through this, and I, I did it too when I was a senior. Okay, this is not in my notes at all. But in my, in my I had, uh, I'm the middle child, a young, older brother, younger, younger brother. Uh, and... Uh, my senior year, I don't, something happens, your senioritis, whatever, and I just, my parents said, you into the dishwasher, set the table one too many times. And I took a stand. I said, I will not do that. And so what, I have, what happened is I became the first and only, to this day, non-contributing family member. So I went and sat in my room with nothing. There were no cell phones. They took the TV out. There was literally nothing to do. And I took a stand for a good three hours. And then I decided I would be part of the family again. But uh, anyhow, I say that my son, uh, he, he's good, Mason. But uh, he, he, driving and teaching your kids to drive, God bless you that 
and y'all are way past that. Maybe your own grandchildren. I don't know. But uh, Christy was much more patient. I like to be in the driver's seat, okay? When I'm in the, not in the driver's seat, I just don't do well. But uh, so Mason got his license, and he's driving. He got, a, he got a Hemi. Well, I provided his truck for him. I bought a used vehicle from a church member, and it's a great Honda Ridgeline truck. It's a long story. Just stick with me, okay? So like two weeks ago, and I, I'm trying to have no, no car payments. is great. Give it to him. It's big. It's safe. All these things. He's done great driving it. Two weeks ago, I'm driving to get gas or whatever, and I turn it off, and I notice the radiator fan kicks on. The whole car is off. This thing's built in 2007. It's old as anything. That's never done that before. Long story short, or a little bit longer, I take it into a mechanic, and I say, this is what it's doing. Oh, okay, it could be something simple. It could be something expensive. Then you get the call the next day later. Oh, it's something expensive. It needs a new timing belt, and it needs a new water pump. We'll have it in three days. That's $1,800, $1,600. Great, sure, but no car payment still. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this is good. So then I tell that to my son as a loving parent, and he's worked a little bit this summer and gained a little bit of money, has a checking account. I say, you're going to pay some of that. You thought I asked him to, you know, cut himself or do something crazy. What? I didn't even cause that. I didn't do anything. I said, well, if you don't want the truck, I could sell it right now if you'd like, and you could buy your own vehicle. So anyhow, uh, three days later, it's, I'm driving it again. I, I should never drive his truck because I noticed the sounds. It, when you hit the accelerator pedal, it's a weird humming sound that's happening. I'm like, I asked Mason, did you hear this? Oh, I don't know. I thought it sounded cool. <laughs> so when you, the point is this. When you're a new driver, you don't examine anything. You pump your music up. You're just living the dream. You know, if my car makes some weird sound, it's all going to be good. Why wouldn't it be? You don't examine anything. So I take it back to the place, new alternator, 500 more dollars. Then Wednesday night, last Wednesday night, Kelvin Park, I don't want to drive his truck anymore. If you talk to Mason, don't tell him I shared this at all. He will not like it. My kids never like when I use them, but whatever. Uh, Wednesday night, if you're at the Kelvin at the park, big thunderstorms. Lightning all the way around. Lightning touching down, you could just see it. I'm surprised we didn't get shocked by whatever. God was showing his mind, right? Next day, Mason comes home for lunch. He comes in the door. Oh, my AC won't work. No. What? You just didn't put the AC button. I think something logical. No, no. I get in it. Sure enough, the AC didn't work. I take it back to the same car dealership. Now, you can only imagine, I really want to tell them, I think this mechanic is breaking things so they can get more money. That's what I'm thinking. They know me by name. They know everything about me at this point. They hate me, and I don't like them either. So normally when you take your car in a mechanic, they tell you before they start working on it, right? But I was like, no, you're going to work on it. Tell me what the issue is. You're going to fix it right now. 30 minutes later, I anticipate he's going to come back with the big bill. Like, you didn't tell me you were. So I was ready. I was, I was geared up to say, uh-uh, I ain't paying it. The electrical, magnetic, whatever of the lightning that touched down wherever it did in Midland blew out his system. So they just had to reset the electrical system in the whole truck. It was an easy fix. I never knew that could even happen. Sure enough, that same night is when lightning struck uh, a house in our alley and totally burned it to the ground. I'll wake you up. You don't believe that God is at work sovereignly? And like, thank God that wasn't my house. That was a long story, but the very good. The point was, you got to examine your car when you're driving it because you never know what's going to happen. But people go through their spiritual life and don't examine anything. I'm just going to kind of go with how I feel. Well, your feelings are going to get you off course many, many times. 
You should go with fact and your faith over your feelings because your feelings are like, I feel sad today. Well, what does God's word say about that? Well, I feel happy today. That's great. I feel lonely today. Well, God says he'll never leave you forsake you. You examine your spiritual life and watch out in the tides of this culture we live in. What you're, what you're putting into your mind, it says guard your heart. You should guard your mind. Uh, trash in, trash out, kind of, how it goes. It says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do not realize that Christ Jesus in his, uh, is in you uh, unless, of course, you fail the test. <laughs> test yourself. And sometimes life has a way of testing us. The ups and downs of life, the things that happen, the dysfunction in our family, the uh, huge life choices, things that just happen. Life has a way of testing your faith. But may we be found faithful to cling to God in the good and the bad of life because he for sure clings to us. For sure, you need to make sure that you are a Christian. It really doesn't make it hard. Do you believe in God's word? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? He paid the price of your all sin leads to death, it says. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Put your faith and trust in him, he saves you. Um, but you have to have a balance in your faith. Um, we don't want to have a false assurance of salvation, but on the other hand, you don't, uh, we do want a firm assurance that we're saved. And I think that's why it's important to, you know, remember, and our pastor gives, when kids get saved now, he has a dollar bill and he gives it to them. Like, this was a gift I'm going to give you and remember it. There's something, you need to have something that's tangible. Remember, I didn't get a dollar when I got saved at a tent revival in Portland, but I'll never forget that service and what it was like. Because there are days when the enemy wants to say, are you sure you're saved? I'm like, yep, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. But examine your life. Psalm 139 says, uh, the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So examine yourself, but also encourage yourself in the Lord. David came to a part. uh, David had some huge ups and downs in his uh, life. uh, But in 1 Samuel 36, when the Amalekites had taken both his wives, uh, it said in Samuel, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. If we want to never fall away, then we need to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Don't listen to the devil at times. Don't listen to friends at times. Take it or leave it listening to family. Don't always listen to your own doubts. Fears, worries, and feelings, sometimes they can grow confused. But you should always listen to God. Always listen to his word. Psalm 42, 11 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. There are at times in our lives that there are only needs that God can meet. Some needs that You cannot expect your husband or your wife or your mate to meet. You cannot expect your pastor to meet. You can't expect your friend to meet. Uh, Only the Lord himself can meet. That's why he should be our everything. Um, When our faith is faltering, that is when we need to turn to God. It says in that verse, and David, he said he he encouraged himself. How do you do that? Well, you're in 
you know his word. Why do we have Awana kids memorizing the word of God? Because the day's going to come when you may just need to hang on to that verse you know. And if it's just John 3.16, that's good enough. That's a good one. Encourage yourself. And then the last is exercise uh, yourself. 1 Timothy 4.8, For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Bodily exercise is okay. I go to the gym four times a week, maybe three, sometimes five. It varies. You know how many people look at themselves all the time in mirrors? And granted, they're drinking all the protein shakes, they're doing all the things, but my gosh, their image and what they look like, and they're doing that number and this number, I'm like, God, I guess do it while you're young, I guess. Um, I'm just like, what's the, what's the benefit? of and, and the sacrifice that some of these people do, I don't know if they're on steroids or not, that's between them and God, but some of them are using some stuff. I don't know what they're using, but like, <laughs> men and women. I'm like, that's not even natural that you look like, <laughs> you know? When you can't bench press and you got the other guy on the other side and he's pulling it at the same time, like, that's not right. Too much weight. Duh, it's rock, not rocket science. Okay, exercising. Some people go all hardcore. Now, this isn't about exercising. But as you get older, well, when I was younger, I didn't need to exercise at all. I had great metabolism. Man, I was a buck 45 until I was 35, I think. I couldn't gain weight, whatever, metabolism. I could do anything. I was pretty active, played basketball for fun, nothing in sports. I was a band nerd, okay, don't judge me. Uh, but uh, I just stayed active, played basketball for fun, whatever. And then I stopped playing basketball when the kids here at church are just too big, too many Barry kids that can destroy you. They're huge. They're like giants, these Barry kids. Carson and Colin, I'm like, I'm done. I can't even guard you no more. <laughs> I'll just stay down here. You'll come back. You'll come back kind of thing. Uh, and uh, so I don't play basketball. So then I started working out. The point of, some people go way over, you should exercise because you need it, actually, physically. But people go overboard. This verse says in Timothy, that prophet's a little while. What good is that going to do when you're 60 or 70? As opposed to if you invested just a little bit of that time in God's word. That's going to affect your eternity. The body is going to, it deteriorates. That's what happens. It's It's reality of this life. You can fight it as much as you want. You can get all the injections and you can do all the things. The body's deteriorating. But our soul needs to be growing in likeness of God every day. Which is what Paul is saying in that verse. You need to exercise your spirituality. Do that. Um, you know? Uh, so uh, be diligent in the cares of the soul, resist the temptation to fall away. Hebrews 11.6 says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God wants to be sought after. Peter says in 2 Peter, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. So there seems to be something the apostle said that, sure enough, you do enough of these habits and it's a good thing. Right? We know that in the physical realm. I need to change some habits, whether it's eating habits or exercising habits, or my doctor tells me I got to do this, or I got to take this pill, or whatever it is. By the way, I'm already taking too many pills. I don't, I don't want another pill to take. If I can do it by diet and exercise, then let me just do that, please. That's not in my lesson here. All right. 
Some of y'all may take a lot of pills. I'm not. Pills are good, but I think you can become too dependent on it at some point. Uh, exercise your spiritual disciplines. And then it says, uh, why do you do that? So, dear brother and sister, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Exercise your spiritual walk. It gets easier the more you do it. Well, I, I want to start out with a quiet time, an hour every day at 5 a.m. Good luck. Unless you're really a morning person and you're that committed to it. No, some people are nice people, but some people are morning people. And maybe if you're going to just start from scratch, don't do an hour. Start with five or ten minutes. There's nothing wrong. There's not a time limit on quiet time. But if you say, I love somebody, if I say I love my wife or I love my kids and never, ever spend any time with them, would you believe that I really love them? No. Relationship requires time and energy. Well, so with a relationship with God. Well, God saved me, but I'm not ever going to do anything with him or spend any time with him. Well, and you wonder why you don't hear from God. <laughs> you haven't spent any time with him. And it's not God that leaves, it's us that gets too distracted by chasing all the other things, and the enemy loves to keep us very busy. We're all very busy people. Everyone's busy. I think when I'm retired, I'm going to be very busy. Our culture, our life says you should always be busy. And yet the verse says, be still and know that I am God. When was the last time you just sat still and said, God, talk to me? I'll be quiet. You tell me what I need to hear. You created me. You know me. Jude, I'm going to end with Jude, and then I'm, I'm going to stop. He addressed the dangers of false teachers. He addressed it, the temptation of falling away in this, in this little book. Uh, I would encourage you to read the whole book uh, tonight. But he had a double pressure that he was facing when he wrote this. But he was facing, uh, those that he was writing to were facing extreme persecution. Now, we're talking like, burned at the stake kind of stuff. You can say we're persecuted in America. I'm like, yeah, you may lose some friends. You're not at that level, okay? Now, it may get to that point at some point, I do think, and that might be the increasing of the falling away. If following Christ means I don't get any tax write-offs, if following Christ means I get labeled whatever and the government's going to come after me, if, fall, if following Christ means I take a stand and and sure enough, I'm in that camp, and so then I don't get these perks or whatever. Who knows? I think uh, it will become apparent if it's worth, is following Christ really worth the sacrifice you're going to make? Which is why uh, the gospel spreads in countries where they're persecuted the most. And here in America, you can have ev- uh, easy believism, and you can fit right in. And nobody can tell. God only knows. Um. But Jude, they were having extreme persecution. And not only that, but the most influential leaders in the early church had been martyred. Peter, at this point, had been killed. Paul and James had all been martyred by the time Jude is writing this. So he knows real persecution. He knows real falling away because people are saying, well, those guys were closest to Jesus Christ. They were the one, they were the, the, the missionaries. They were spread. And look what happened to them. Why would I want to follow that? I'll read some of it. Look at uh, in Jude if you're there, but if you're not, it's fine. But beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith 
I hallowed that in mind. Contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Evidently, there have been people that have infiltrated the church, and they're not Christ followers, and they're leading people astray. And Jude knows that. And then uh, all these apostates that are turning and, and leaving their faith. But then I wanted to call your attention to verse 20. He says, But you, beloved, you believers in Christ, you Christians, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Building yourselves up. If you look at the verbs in the Greek of that, it's this continuing, continuous motion. It never stops, never ceases. Build yourselves up. Put all these habits in. Increase your faith. Strengthen your faith. Exercise your faith. Examine it. Where it needs to change, change. Some of your habits, change. Some things in your life are not leading you towards God. Then why are you doing them? Why are you doing them? Build yourself up. Put up boundaries on your faith so that you know, I'm not going to dabble with that. I'm not going to mess with that. Whether it hurt me in the past or not, that doesn't increase my faith in God. doesn't help my walk with God. doesn't help my testimony to others for God. Don't do it. Build yourselves up in the faith of God. The key for us to withstand apostasy or the threat of it is we have to intentionally keep taking steps to build our faith by learning to grow in God's word, seeking God's will daily, obeying God. If you sense the spirit of God in your life telling you to do something or not to do something, then you should do what he says. He's your loving heavenly father. If you say, I believe in you and I trust in you, that you're not doing it, you're being the irresponsible, disobedient child. Even as a 70-year-old, you can be that person in the spiritual realm, right? So I'm not going to go over all specifics. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit in your own soul, in your own life, in your own say, examine, are there things I need to get rid of and are there some things I need to start practicing regularly? Because there probably are in all of our lives. And God can show you that. But build these habits, uh, you know, if I, a quiet time is just a prime example, but... Uh, Think being regularly attending church, coming on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week. Not very many people do that, much less on a Sunday night when we start that back. A lot of churches have done away with Sunday nights. It's kind of, uh, you can say it's a generational thing, but it's a lot of things, okay? We still have it, yes, because we have a lot of older generation that still do it. But you know some of the younger generation are like, I went on Sunday morning. Why do I got to go back Sunday night? This lesson isn't about that. But why, do you, why wouldn't you meet three times in God's house as opposed to once? Or signing in on a stream. You're not being encouraged by God's people. You're not encouraging anyone else if you sign on a stream. There are people that have health reasons that can't come. I get it. But you know, and I know, there's enough people that use the pandemic and the COVID whatever to say, I don't need church. And you know who got them believing that? The enemy. The enemy did. And they fell away. Not that church attendance means you're a Christian. There are a lot of people that don't go to church that are Christian. But it seems to be 
If you love God, you would want to leave, love to be the place that God created, which is the church, the people of God. So the enemy is very good at having people walk away. And I pray that each of us are not one of those people. Um, I had a, a friend of a friend working out just yesterday, and he's having marital problems, and he shared with my friend, he said, I don't even believe in God anymore. I'm like, how do you, how do you get there? Now, he came from Catholicism. That's a different kind of a religion for sure, and it's works-oriented and all these things, but how do you... The enemy is very creative and very good. If Christianity is great as long as my marriage is great and then your marriage is not great, then yeah, it's a domino effect, I guess. But you have to have the right hierarchy in your life. God has to be first, and then after that comes marriage. Or to be single, whichever. Then after that comes kids. Then after that, church and the work, somewhere in there. But if on your number one seat is marriage or kids or work, when it goes bad and the stress hits or whatever happens, then it can shatter your faith because God never was top. So I challenge you Based on these verses, I go back and read them. I go back and read Jude. Don't think you're totally, it would never happen to me. It happened to Judas. It happened to Demas. They had some pretty good leaders right there. Uh, but do have, be encouraged. Um, put these habits in your life. Repetitively do them. And realize God loves me. And my, and, uh, when I fall short of his glory and his standard and his word, which I do, there is forgiveness at the cross, for sure. But the enemy is going to try to tell you, well, maybe if that's how you feel, that's how you whatever. Maybe you're never a child of God. We need to answer that question. And once you answer that question with God's help, then that answer should be done. Don't keep revisiting it over and over again. Uh, God's salvation, once and for all, what Jesus did, is enough. Um, but if... You are questioning if I ever did that or maybe I needed to. I'll talk with you tonight. I would love to talk with you about it. Um, But this falling away is something that is going to happen more and more as we approach the return of Christ. Uh, And I pray that none of us are those those people. Put some of these things in practice so that we're not. The ending of Jew, he says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling again, it's not just all on me, but this salvation thing and this sanctification, God changing me and making me into the complete what he wants me to be, uh, God is for sure doing his part too. It's not all on me. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceedingly joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. He ends his book with a bang. (laughs) So, when the enemy really wants to say, yeah, but you're God, I'm like, that's the God that I'm the child of. He's my father. And he is majestic and all-powerful, and there's nothing he can't do. There's plenty of things I can't do. But uh, that's why I'm a child of the king. So be encouraged by that. Stay close to God, and uh, God stays close to you at the same time. Let me close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for us through Jesus Christ. I thank you that you provided the way for us to be saved, to become children of God. 
uh, through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and that he was resurrected. I thank you for your word that says if we put our faith and trust in you and confess it with our mouths that you're our Lord and Savior, you'll save us. But we also read these scriptures tonight and we can be concerned and that this falling away of more and more people are going to seem to be doing as until Christ returns again. May we put some boundaries in our lives and some spiritual practices in our lives and examine our lives and our motives and test our, our walk with you to make sure we are staying true to you. Uh, even when the storms of life come and even when the many blessings of life may come, either way, God, you're true and you're faithful and you're worthy of, and you have all the love and grace that we'll ever need. May we look to you to be the satisfaction of things and not the world because the world lies. The things that it says is so great many times, it's just it leaves you hungrier for more and thirsty for more. It never fulfills. It's like chasing the wind. But yet may we chase after you with our whole lives and our whole hearts. Forgive us when we don't, and may we stay true to you and know that you'll stay true to us. Thank you for that love. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.